0: Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me,
1: Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic
0: that turns dreams into reality. This is business story of the week. And we are back. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. This is Josh. I am your co-host. Business story of the week, where we navigate the world of innovation, business, uncovering stories of perseverance, struggles, and success. And our guest today is no stranger to innovation. John Paller is a Denver based blockchain entrepreneur, inventor, and futurist. And he is the founder and executive steward of Opolis, a digital employment cooperative for independent workers. He Mm -hmm. is also the founder and executive steward of ETH Denver. We're going to get into that in in a bit. The world's largest Web3 and Ethereum-based festival. Prior to discovering Ethereum in 2015, John spent more than 15 years in the talent acquisition, HR technology, and employment systems, building multiple successful enterprises. John brings a breadth of experience in fundraising, investor relations, community outreach, and crypto economies, guiding his vision of democratizing employment and growing decentralized communities. In 2014, John was awarded 40 Under 40 by the Denver Business Journal for his contributions to shaping the future of of business, and my, what a, what an introduction there, Johnny. We need to talk hmm. about this, but first of all, how are you, how are things in Denver?
1: It's great, uh, I mean, you would not think it's January in Denver, it's 65 degrees right now, and oh, wow. uh, it's beautiful, beautiful. They're just giving us a little foreshadowing tease of, it's actually like that quite often during around East Denver, but um, it's great, we're good. Um, we're just, you know, we're in go time, so we're heads down, just, you know, making sure that we dot our I's and cross our T's and, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and pieces that we got to keep after. So we're just, uh, we're on the home stretch, getting all ready. Right.
0: All right, that sounds great, John, and I'm so glad to have you here. And let's get right into it. You know, you are um, a visionary when it comes to this space. You are a blockchain visionary. But I always like to start the, the journey where it all began, you know. you. Could you tell us about your experience, Uh, your early experiences, first of all, in talent acquisition, HR technology, and combining that with blockchain seems like a, a, how you call this, an unlikely pairing. But I'd like to know how it all started for you and how it all came together to today, being the visionary that you are.
1: Yeah, it's it's, uh, quite a story, actually. Um, in 2000 2000- nice. I love stories <laughs> 2005 so I'm dating uh-huh. myself okay in 2005 okay. I was talking with some of my uh, you know co about you know the business that we had built or that we were building mm-hmm. and it, it really struck me that the the way people get treated in employment Right. So most of my experience was like, sort of like we were leasing people to companies, you know, so like a contracting staffing company kind of thing, yeah. recruiting firm. Um, uh-huh. and then I, you know, I was like, well, you know, we had a really big problem trying to get people high quality people to do these contracts. Right. We just, we couldn't get them to do them. Cause they're like, well, I really want to, I really want a perm job is what they would say, which means permanent. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, well, is there really anything such thing as a permanent job anymore? And like, yeah you, know, you started this is before the gig economy before any of that and i'm just like you listen to what people say about how they're treated you know and i was just like you know it doesn't make a lot of sense like what if we treated people better uh huh wouldn't they be more productive yeah i mean it seems like pretty obvious to me so then but you mm-hmm. look at the way you look at the way sort of the you know the, the architecture of these systems is designed it's it's very paternalistic, it's very subjugating, it's very extractive, mm-hmm. and there really aren't incentives based on who makes decisions economically. There aren't incentives right. to actually optimize for worker productivity. It's all about optimizing for spend.
0: Right. So
1: if if you're if you're optimizing for spend, you're gonna diminish the human experience because it just becomes procurement, right? Mm-hmm. So then I, I would talk about this a lot. I'm just like, you know you know the hr world since the 80s has commoditized work you know we talk about people as human capital you know and it's like we're sort of dehumanized it's not it's not personal it's just business it's like i mean this is their paycheck dude exactly. like what are you talking yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. it's not personal of course it's fucking personal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can you can you can put whatever lipstick you want on the pig but it's still personal right What they're Mm -hmm. highlighting is there are misalignments of incentives and priorities. So when decisions are made that don't align with the workers, Mm -hmm. you just rationalize that by saying, well, it's, it's not personal. It's just business decisions. Exactly. Yeah. But then you, but then you see the fallout of that, the breakdown of systems, the erosion of quality brands, you know, the dehumanization of people, the lack of worker productivity. And then Mm -hmm. we just see this cycle go where it just creates huge amounts of inefficiencies in these markets right uh-huh. Uh-huh. and even for people's lives from the worker perspective you know ask them well there's one particular statistic that stood out to me that was just like really stunning and that is mm-hmm. the engagement statistic
0: right
1: so the percentage of people who de- describe themselves as is ha- engaged
0: okay
1: is like 20% oh what that's of all workers in the US. So the disengagement number is like pushing 80%. So what does that mean for productivity? Just, you know, anecdotally, I don't need data to know that if I'm not engaged, I'm not going to be terribly productive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they've, they've exactly. made movies about this meme, right? Well, yes. Bob, you know, I do it you know, at most 15 minutes of actual work in any one day. <laughs> Just enough not to get fired, right? Uh, now we can laugh at it, but you think that's not what's going on? Absolutely, it's absolutely, it what's is.
0: going on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Now, if you think about all the players involved, so look at that from both the worker side, they're not happy. They're doing it as a mm-hmm. means to an end. And then you mm-hmm. look at the corporations who are paying for these services, who are frankly overpaying for what they're getting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're not overpaying on an hourly basis, they're just overpaying in general because if i'm doing 15 minutes of work in one day but then we we complain about how we're not taking care of employees but yes. you can understand it from both sides you can understand it from the business side saying well look we're not we're not getting the productivity necessary to pay more and then from the worker side you're like well you know i have no incentive or motivation to do anything but the bare minimum right exactly. and I, and i only really stick around in the us especially to get my health care insurance
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I can't get it otherwise so there's a lot of social reasons why this 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 model exists so i started talking about the concept of democratizing employment in 2005. wow now, this is way before anything so, yeah. i knew about crypto or blockchains or anything uh-huh, okay. and you know the first several experiments were sort of inside the walls of this existing business right. and the conclusion of those experiments were there are no incentives for the corporate customers that we have to care about productivity. Right. They want, they want, yes, they want productivity, but not at the expense of price.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: If you can give them a better price and productivity, you'll do great, but you'll mm-hmm. only scale to a certain amount because you can't, you can't get through the sort of cognitive thinking of procurement departments in large companies. On value it's always mm-hmm. on price they don't care mm-hmm. hey, so if you're selling yourself on ethos you know they're just like yeah, yeah 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 that's great but what are you gonna charge me right yeah. and but then you can't sustain it because where do you think the money comes from to pay people more or give them benefits or whatever it comes out of my profits so if they're competing on price which is what the big box shops do and they drive the price down. They'll do loss leader stuff. They'll do all sorts of things. It's competitive vulturing. And then they'll pay their people crappy and with no benefits, right?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And so they keep the prices down, which is what the businesses want. But then, yep. but then I can't compete with that if I'm competing on value, right?
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. So it's like, how, how do you compete? You can't. So the conclusions in those inside-the-walls experiments were you, you can't do it. You can't, <laughs> can't shift the needle. And then I started wondering whether or not that model of distribution or or of just facilitating work was even viable long term. And you know, one thing led to another. I started doing right. some outside of the walls experiments. So uh-huh. we had we had the, the core business going, but then we were experimenting with like next generation platforms, but we didn't know anything about blockchains or whatever. We were sort of in the Uber economy of things at the point at that point, like you know, 2013, yeah, right. 2014.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: and we were like trying to build like various things to try to like give people access to each other and create collaboration and all that. But without better technology tools, without better technology tools that really help curate decentralization,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it wasn't going to work gonna because work. what ended up happening is we ended up being the arbiter of everything. Right. And then the minute you start making you right and you wrong or selling disputes one way or the other, like, that person leaves because you screwed them, and then they tell everybody mm-hmm. that you screwed them, and then it takes, like, it, it, it's a vicious cycle, right? So,
0: it is, it
1: is. So we're just like, you know, how do you build something that's neutral that lets people just kind of engage in what we maybe call a, a next-generation public utility infrastructure right. where they can, where they can choose their adventure, but we're not creating a competitive environment, we're creating an additive environment and mm-hmm. what does employment look like in that context
0: mm-hmm. and how
1: do we give people the controls to make their own commercial decisions because right now your employer whoever that is controls you yes okay yes, whether yes, you yes. want to own that or not that's true mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. and so we're like well what if we could replicate the other things that employment gives people you right Without giving up their independence,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. wouldn't that be cool?
0: Yeah, and that so, sounds cool.
1: So, we did that. So, now you can come to Opolis and you can uh, get access to high quality, low, you know, lower cost group health care insurance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, affordable, I guess, is maybe a better way to call it. Um, but high quality, it's procured by a community of people like you. So it's not just being sold to you for profit, it's being provided as a benefit to people just like you. It's built by independent workers for independent workers. It's Mm -hmm. community-owned, but not in a rah-rah kumbaya kind of way, it's egalitarian in that you will yield the benefit relevant to what you put into it,
0: Right. okay?
1: So it's a consumptive reward-based system or a contribution-based system, Um. and it's very elegant. And we're now running over $50 million in payroll annually. Oh, wow.
0: -hmm. That's pretty – wow. Okay, I think that was the most mind-blowing. That's a great way to kind of end it because $50 million (laughs) in payroll for such a – what new concept it's just quite it's, it's brand crazy.
1: it's brand new it's, and it, it what is, it is. demonstrates what it demonstrates though is what i've been talking about for a long time is this latent desire for people to be independent precisely yes <clears throat> and they're and they you know forget blockchains and the talking points and all this crap but like you know uh, people are are jaded they're suspicious they're cynical mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know they're they're kind of tired and they're mm-hmm. distrusting, right? And it's like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and I I wrote a whole white paper on this, you know, this concept of the the tragedy of the boardroom which erodes alignment of incentives between consumers and stakeholders and shareholders over time and ultimately creates a very hostile environment where economics yes. becomes the the thing that we fight over and it becomes disproportionately unfair and then rinse and repeat, right? So this is the tragedy yes, of the boardroom yes. because Ethos is not something that's legally mandated in most business models, okay, in a B Corp mm-hmm. to an extent, but even B Corp's have shareholders, right, okay, and it's like, well, what do your shareholders want? They want maximize profits. Well, who does that exactly. come at the expense of yeah. your customers, exactly. whoever that is, and then your uh-huh. stakeholders who happen to be the ones who are buying your services, like in an yes. Uber model, it's your drivers and your riders, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. The ones,
1: The ones providing the profits are them. And at scale, Uber has a legal mandate, a fiduciary duty to maximize profits. It's a feature, not a yes. bug. Mm-hmm. And so how do you get around it? How do you, how do you fix that? It's exactly. designed that way. So you can it sit is. and talk about it, how it's not mm-hmm. fair, but it's designed that way. So, But instead of overcorrecting where it's like, well, everything should be government-owned. Then everything ah. should be – no, everything should be public good and there's no – if there's no money, you know. We just trade and love each other. It's like, uh-huh. well, that's bullshit because you don't understand human behavior. So then uh-huh. it's, it's like, it's, but it's the middle, okay? How do you create a for profit model that is sustainable both from an economics, technological, and benevolence uh-huh. standpoint? Uh-huh. So you provide goods and services that are not competitive, but added. It, so wow. it's complementary. So the next member actually adds to the enterprise value and yes, doesn't create exactly. friction. Yes. And then, But you're providing services that they need, right, that uh-huh. help enable the life that they want. This is exactly. core to Web3. Mm-hmm. So we do mm-hmm. this, we do this, and we do this, and we do this, and we do this, and we this, and built the entire product around that such that the concept of democratized employment that I had back in 2005 is actually 20 years later, 19 years later, being realized. And it wow. has been a wild ride. I could. T- I mean, if we had more time, I could tell you some stories that like, <laughs> you know, you read these books from people who talk about, you know, how, well, they said we were an overnight success, but it was 20 years in the making. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: That is what we, that's where we are. I could probably write that book at some point. Wow. And for the amount of time, you always hear about, well, oh, for the amount of times we almost died or we didn't almost make payroll or we, da, 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 lions and tigers and bears. That's exactly my story. So it's like, oh my you know, you know, you could say I'm an innovator, but I think I'm more just stubborn, and I just didn't leave, you know. Uh, so I got it. Yeah. I got enough experience to be able to see around corners and sort of understand things a little bit more deeply and nuance in a, in a more of a nuanced way than most people. Uh-huh, Yeah. So I just outlived everybody else.
0: Oh my goodness, John. You really need to write that book. I I want that story. We don't have time for that now, but I would love to hear that story. Well, a little if foreshadowing. Was, there's
1: there is there uh-huh. is a few there is a few efforts in, underway. And what I've said to my teams and what I've said to the people around me who want me to write these things. I was like, look, nobody really cares what I have to say yet. Not yet. yet. Not yet. It's like Naval, you know, Naval, I actually really appreciate this about Naval. A lot of people think he's, you know, just, you know, he's like a, uh, what did they call it? Like a fortune cookie, you know, uh, talking points on Twitter, you know, where he's like uh-huh. little snippets of wisdom. Yeah, I really appreciate Naval though, because if you look at his journey, he's like, you know, I was saying all this stuff for 15 years and nobody gave a shit until I built Angel.co. And, and they correlate my credibility with that business, right? So like... Discover the remarkable journey of Anonymous John. No one likes feeling alone, anxious, or overweight, but John
0: refused to let his circumstances define him. When his weight ballooned to a staggering
1: 600 pounds, he made a choice to take control of his life. He began documenting his journey in his journal, and after shedding his first 103 pounds, he decided to share his story with the world. Through his journal, he offers inspiration and hope to anyone struggling with similar challenges. If you're looking to be inspired and uplifted, the Anonymous John podcast is for you. Join us on this journey of transformation and visit our website, theanonymousjohn.com. In other words, they see the value manifested in angel.co and they're like, oh, well, he must have something interesting to say. So. The same is for me. I don't care if people pay attention to me or not right now (coughs) at all. I just focus on what I'm doing and trying to build. But I do also understand that there is a lot of really – I would say my team would say that we've gained very important life wisdom by being on this journey together. And at some point we'll share it, and at some point people will care. But right now we're just kind of getting ready and building and doing things, so then I just have one thing that I say usually is just hand me another brick let's go you know let's let's go worry, <laughs> let's worry about that later you know I would oh, never yeah. do a book I would never write a book caring about what the, the sales would be on the book uh-huh. but when I do it I'll bet you it'll be pretty successful I don't, I don't but I wouldn't do it for that reason does that make sense for sure
0: absolutely but by, but guess. we're gonna wait
1: until somebody cares. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, if Opolis so, ends up being. Let's say we get to a half a million members or something. Okay. Right. There you go. Let's all say right. we got. Let's say we got to a million members globally in 126 right, right. countries or some shit. Uh-huh. Okay. I think people give a shit now, right? I mean, we're the world's mm-hmm. largest employer in some cases. You know, we've got mm-hmm. people all over the globe. We're enabling this mm-hmm. sort of like fluid thing. It's member owned. People are rabidly passionate about it. Uh-huh. You know, it's like but it's a demonstration, it's a model of how we can take capitalistic concepts of value creation Precisely. and combine it with benevolence. Uh-huh.
0: We can well, do what both. Are we, what do we Why wouldn't that?
1: we want to do that? That would be so beautiful. Like uh-huh. I yeah, I I that's that's actually my entire purpose in life right now is manifesting that goal in two different contexts one in opolis which is the democratization of work using that type Mm -hmm. of model and then the second is eat denver which is the world's largest live action web 3 experiment right like we are we're not just a innovation festival i mean we call it that we're not a conference at all we're a giant live action experiment when you come to eat denver you're engaging with technology and art and people Uh and creative collisions and Mm-hmm. building, you know, that meme we invented in 2018. You know, we did all that. And it's like, it's pretty cool. Where pretty, else can you go yeah. do that? Where
0: are no, you going to do exactly. that? Exactly.
1: Does it it's feel like
0: uh, the uh, fruits of your labor somewhat, like having eat Denver right now and <laughs> just being in that space and having all that lots of fun, like it's a big festival, a very popular one. And does it feel like a reward of some sort?
1: Well, I think about it like, you know, a parent would like a teenager maybe walking on the stage to graduate from college.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Like, you know, I'm not, I don't own East Denver. It's not mine. Mm -hmm. The community owns it. Now I'm a significant stakeholder and I have a large voice, Mm -hmm. but I'm not here building it for my own. um, I mean, definitely there's selfish, um, rewards that I get, okay. social capital. I didn't take any financial compensation until this last season. So for the first okay. five seasons, I I did it, I volunteered. Um, wow. It's now big enough where it can afford to pay me. And you know, it's probably about time. And I don't think it, nobody cares. The board doesn't care, nobody cares. Because it's like, well, shit dude, you did all that for free and you built, yeah, I did. Now I got my sport tokens and sure I'm a big stakeholder and I got a big voice. But in the end, what right. I care about is giving people a big tent and a blank canvas to come and express themselves right. in a way that's meaningful for them. And then as a byproduct of that access, these creative collisions happen and they get turned into something. They get turned into right. like POAP or one inch or pool together or, you know, some cool projects that have been on my stages. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. And it's like, and then look at, look at the, the inertia they build. So it becomes regenerative, right? And uh-huh. all we're trying to do is create a full cycle experience for the community. Now, if those projects get successful, the community also now benefits. Like, yes. so how do we create this full life cycle of thing where everybody's winning in this thing? So that's the point of like this live action experiment. Like we don't, uh-huh.
0: you
1: know, we're not just running an event and selling tickets. Mm-hmm. We don't sell tickets, it's free. You know, if you don't want to join the DAO for whatever reason, that's fine. You can opt out and you can buy a ticket. But if you join the DAO, okay. which comes with literally no expectations of anything, uh-huh. there's no membership fees, there's nothing. You know, It's just like right. we just have to give you an option. Okay, If you don't want to legally join the DAO, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But then you got to pay for a ticket. But if you just want to say, yeah, I joined the DAO, which is pretty much what it is, yeah. you can show uh-huh. up and it's free. Okay? And that's a compliance thing. We don't do that because we want to. We do it because it's a compliance thing. Legally, we're a cooperative framework, okay, so we've okay. paired that with our our, our DAO framework. That you know, the legal and the technological side are uh-huh. called uh-huh. a digital co-op. In any case,
0: it's digital co-op.
1: Yeah, we got a white paper coming out about it. Um, it'll be out at East Denver, so we'll be actually uh-huh. talking about policy, compliance, regulatory landscape, a bunch because of. Okay. You know, just the topic is at hand, yep. right? I mean, is, we're all it looking it at ETFs, and and you know uh, what happens with people like SBF, yep. and you know yep. what other bullshit laws are they trying to build? <laughs> you know, on the on the heels of things that have nothing to do with it. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so, in any case, yeah, we just want to give people like it, it's not about like what I love about Eat Them or the most actually is its purity. Wow, because there really isn't there really isn't anybody's you know under the hood, behind the curtain, you right. know, behind the door, selfish interests, yeah. driving decisions. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. all about creating an experience that inspires mm-hmm. people to come and spark that creativity into right. the next thing, whatever that is. Right. And then we just right. keep doing that thousands of times.
0: Uh-huh. And, and isn't that like the core of what blockchain is, you know, like fundamental? I think so.
1: I, I think right. and that's what I'm saying I think i i hundred percent agree that if you really think about a future that's based on egalitarian systems, which is really what blockchains are mm-hmm. and you know access right you know reducing barriers to entry
0: right right
1: exactly you know with economic, geographical whatever you know mm. I, blockchain is a tool set that we're applying Mm -hmm. towards trying to create this this total social outcome. Precisely. And and so all we've done is said, well, okay, well, if we're gonna say that, how ironic is it that we have these big, giant corporate events where it's all, you know, banks and other people paying for this shit?
0: Precisely, precisely. And it's
1: like, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like you're gonna sit here and, (laughs) say it's all about this, but then you're doing this and this is mm-hmm. on its face lacks integrity. Mm-hmm. So we're just like, well now, look, we don't spend any time I mean I do throw I do throw some shade sometimes, not not terribly publicly. I will to their face. But I'm like, you know, I don't really understand. It seems like you're just trying to make money on this. So mm-hmm. in other words, you've got enough influence that you're gonna host an event, you're gonna charge a bunch of money for tickets, get a bunch of your friends there make a lot of Mm -hmm. money, but like, what are you really demonstrating? You're talking Mm -hmm. a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, you're on stage, but then your sponsors are corporate interests and consulting firms and other things. It's like banks, Yep. it's like, is that, is that really who should be benefiting from this?
0: Precisely, precisely. Or how
1: do we, how do we create better alignment there? So we've designed the entire thing to demonstrate the principles of web three which is why it's not just about the tech, it's about the social outcomes Uh 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 and the social inputs, right? So the social Uh foundation and then what comes out of that and how do we create sustainability of technology, Mm -hmm. benevolence, and Mm -hmm. economics, right? So how do we do those three things inside the event format? And that's what we're doing.
0: Technology, benevolence, and? Economics. Economics. That is, uh, that's a great way to sum it up. Um, it really is. Feels like it's our chance. You know, like Web three feels like the application uh, of of our really are an opportunity for us to kind of like take the power back, so to speak, right? Because because it's it really feels like it's all really skewed on that other side. It's way too skewed. And I love that you rattled everything out there in the sense that. We are being devalued as humans when it comes to, you know, our, our being valued as not just employer, uh, employees, right? It's just in general in the sense of this kind of this overly um, insurmountable power play
1: and you. Well, it's so it's if- a parental structure and it kind of doesn't matter if you, you want to go fight with your dad, good luck. Good luck. But your dad's going to probably win, you know, <laughs> your mom, you know, even in, in maternal structure, like there's a hierarchical structure uh-huh. <clears throat> that not just socially, but legally,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, creates a power, you know, hierarchy that it doesn't matter what you do. It's structural, right? It so is, you, have ship, structural. you have to shift, you have to shift the legal relationship and who's responsible mm-hmm. for what. Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. some of what happens is the risk that is associated with employment is burdened on the employer. It is. Okay. So if, and your behavior is on them, right? So like Mm -hmm. there is, you know, and what do you think happens when people are are layered on layered on layered risk? Well, they have to manage that risk, which means they have to then control behavior, which means this is where HR policies and all this other crap come from.
0: Yes precisely. well what if
1: what if we could unbundle that and actually put the responsibility back on the individual? This is a core tenet of web three
0: mm-hmm. now,
1: what I find is interesting is i 'm not sure people who like the idea of Web three in some cases are actually ready for personal responsibility. <laughs>
0: That is the point, isn't it, right? Well,
1: look at look at DAOs. look at how poorly V1 of DAOs were run. I'm keen. I mean, there's no metrics of performance, there's no productivity metrics, you know, if you talk about that, it's like, "Oh, well now you're being racist or sexist or whatever." It's like, "Knock it off." Okay? If you're gonna be free, the core, the cornerstone. There's two cornerstones that matter the most of anything. When it comes to a, a, a healthy, free society or economic model, and this is something that every individual has a, an ability to accept. One uh-huh. is personal responsibility for yourself,
0: yeah.
1: and the second is the system must must offer optionality.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not the control. system offer
1: this not control but optionality. The system mm-hmm. offers optionality. And the individuals commit to personal responsibility. Wow. If you don't do those two things, it's not sustainable. It won't work.
0: It, it really doesn't. And it, it feels like you really truly have built that kind of – it's not just a community. But you've filled it with these kinds of principles that is sustainable into a kind of this – into the future really, right? Um,
1: I, this I is what – so the – One of my mentors said to me early and, you know, a long time ago, he's like, the most loving thing that you can do for somebody is to set a good example. Wow. Wow. Okay. So in a way, you know, one of the things that bothers me about crypto conferences is they all get up there and, you know, about even the World Economic Forum is 10 times worse. You know, they're all horrible. And it's like... And some of these ideas that people come up with are straight up terrible. I mean, I don't know that I want to go to evil, but I might. But like, you know, do you actually Bro. think about the <laughs> exactly. do you actually think about the implications of like what this <laughs> yeah. means for optionality uh-huh. and personal responsibility?
0: Uh-huh.
1: And they don't. They think about control mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. think about like, you know, idealism, which is not humans. I mean, humans are very uh-huh nonlinear and they're and mm-hmm. you can't you can't create a, a single standard for humans in, in behavior. Right, that's authoritarianism, and that's that's it a is. path to, to destruction in histori- history. History will
0: historically, yeah.
1: Historically, anytime time you've tried to homogenize society, whether it's in Asia or it's in Europe or it's wherever, okay, mm-hmm. it has ended very fucking badly.
0: Not, not good at all. When it, it
1: comes us. to the benevolence toward human humans. Mm-hmm. And so you have to look at what really makes humans thrive and it's optionality and it's personal responsibility. That's really what makes it happen. Okay. You're like giving me some fireworks here.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who did that. Maybe that was your point. They probably really loved what you just said.
1: <laughs> um, Maybe I, I, I didn't do it, but. <laughs> okay. But, John, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to put a, a, a punctuation on it. So, uh-huh. when it comes to this example, I find that the conference, most conferences, do too much talking right. and not enough walking. Right. So what we're and that's there's true. actually a mean for this not in too much talky 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 and not enough owaki owalky owalky. My yeah, friend yeah. Kevin, because <laughs> you know he's he's a, he's a shipper. You know he builds. You know and, and it's like that's the kind of thing that we want to focus on is how do we build? How do we ship? How do we experiment and and build things that actually are going to take humanity into the next? And, and we're going to have to experiment with a lot of things. That's what it's for. But we got to show them how to do it, right? Not right, just talk things. about it. Yeah. So Eat Denver is about doing where mm-hmm. every other event that I'm aware of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: every other event that's this mm-hmm. size, you know, this type right. of importance, hackathons that are just hackathons, fine. Mm-hmm. I, I do wonder about their incentives sometimes though, depending on who it is. <laughs> but, um, but that's a different con- topic. The other ones that are just mostly conference stuff, Right, uh-huh. which is why why we don't we don't subscribe to the the, con, the label of like conference because it's like it's not really what we do. Yes, there's conferency things that we do, but it's not a conference. So the conferency stuff is is just all talk.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: It's conjecture, it's map. it's I even affectionately refer to it as fart smelling, right? <laughs> Where it's like, you know. People get up on stage and they love hearing themselves talk and they love pontificating about all these things, just
0: taking it all you know, in,
1: oh. Take it all in, and just you know, look at how fucking smart I am, okay? Uh-huh. And it's like, ugh, you know, like
0: doesn't do anything.
1: Handy brick, changes. man. Let's. It doesn't do anything, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not inspiring that 19-year-old mm-hmm. female student who came in from Cal Berkeley by herself to find a team and build something interesting because she's got a good idea. How do you spawn how do you spark that? How do you, this is the creative collisions. Well she comes in from it California. Is. There's two there's two students that flew in from India on scholarship to Eat Thunder, and They happen to meet at some social thing that we did for icebreakers. Cool. She has an idea that she pitches to them and they're like, that's oh, awesome. And they happen to be cool. able to lay some code. They build a prototype in two days. They're that's on my cool. stage and they win $20,000. So and then cool. investors see that and they're like, holy shit, that's amazing. We mm-hmm. want to invest in that. And then they get their first seed round for a half a million dollars, oh, three months what? after they do it. Oh, this shit happens is, all story. the time. Oh,
0: my it happens
1: all the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the point is, is like, it, but we don't know it's unscripted mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: because all we're doing is opening the venue and, and building this yeah. big tent, giving access and opportunity for these collisions to happen. And we're encouraging yeah. them. We don't know when, where and how they're going to happen. And we don't even try to force them too much. We just try to encourage them.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: And then when they happen, it's just like, yes, 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 yes. yes. And where do you ever hear about that at a conference? I mean, conferences are fun, sure. You can go and you go to the side events and go, you can go do that. I've been to a thousand of the same parties, okay? (laughs) And they're fine, but is it really moving the needle? Yes. Are we really advancing the ball? If we're gonna solve Mm -hmm. things like user experience in Web3, scaling, privacy, identity, reputation, Mm -hmm. consensus, Mm -hmm. governance, Collaboration is the key because right. 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 15 in yeah. terms of multiplication of value and, and uh-huh. creativity, right? So like uh-huh. how do we encourage these things but in real time to happen? So when you think about who comes to Eat Denver, mostly it's people who are ethos aligned around these ideas, these right. social
0: ideas. Right.
1: Uh-huh. And so how many people do you know in your neighborhood that have these social ideas at the core of their identity?
0: I know like one uh-huh exactly I was okay like, oh, so if I'm just anybody- hanging
1: out in my if I'm hanging out in my average everyday life
0: uh-huh.
1: how many interactions am I gonna have that are gonna create these these that they're is, not okay so we, we're create we're, all we're doing is aggregating the creativities that are interested in this to create the space where you can create yes. the environment to let it do its thing
0: precisely precisely uh John you, you, you really... first of all, you need to write that book, okay? Because we need all these stories. Second of all, I really love that there's someone like you creating this space. Allow me to just put this, tie this all up in and on. I don't really have questions because you really answered all of them with everything that you rattled. Usually my question is what is the future? But you are already leading the future. You are already in the thick of it, creating these collaborations, creating this environment for everyone to thrive and not just, you know, not just surface level, not just numbers not just
1: ethos not just ethos either so not just numbers, not mm-hmm. just ethos but both where we but can both. actually have good incentives to be collaborative mm-hmm.
0: precisely see I
1: can say be collaborative and I might for a while because it makes sense morally mm-hmm. you know to like do that but then once the incentives aren't there, I'm like, well screw this this is not good for me but Precisely. how do we make it sustainably benevolent and sustainably incentivized economically? That's how you get it to go up, and then you just model it, and then let people replicate it, right? Like the, if yes. we're, you know, so competition the the competitive mindset is a, is a scarcity based mindset. Mm-hmm. It will be the death of Web three if we don't transcend it. Oh wow! Think about yeah. it. We're competing. Blah, 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 blah with all this stuff, as opposed to really thinking about collaborative solutions. Precisely. So <clears throat> human behavior is what it is, but like, we've got to transcend this to get to a place where we can actually see how collaboration doesn't create scar- scarcity. Right now, I <laughs> think there's, there's whether they, people acknowledge it or not, there is a belief, a deeper belief, that collaboration creates scarcity. Or it limits but, but my ability the- to make money. It's not true, uh-huh, of course, but it's what we believe. So it is true in the context in what we've been operating.
0: Right.
1: So how do we transcend that? And that's what we're trying to model, right? Fantastic. It's like, yeah, let's, don't just do it because it's the right thing. Cause that's, that's not mm. a good reason with a long tail. That's a short tail yeah. and it's a, you know, yes. it's almost like a moral superiority thing. Well, I'm doing this because it's the right yes. thing, even though my of selfish course. interests are being screwed in at the same time. Of course. Well, no, but what if what if I could do the right thing and be rewarded for it? All right. And then we nice. grow it. And who's complaining then, right?
0: Probably. Nobody. Because the investors got like it, right? Them.
1: Investors like it. The com- the corporations like it. And the contributors like it. Everyone likes it because we're not limiting ourselves to scarcity-based thinking. Now, some people might say that I'm a little idealistic or pollyanna about some of this.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But I'm not. Okay. I just built the world's largest Web three event, period. <laughs> okay, Ooh, and a- I built it on this principle. Wow. Okay, so wow. like you can't like okay if you think Ethember is just successful because, well, geographically we're in a good location because it's easy to get here to DIA the airport. Fuck mm-hmm. out here. Okay, <laughs> like no, it's it's been culturally. Systemically, technologically, socially, economically, everything designed to create this system of benevolence around technology, benevolence, and economics.
0: And economics. John, that you should have be the title time. of your book. That should be the title of your book. Technology, Benevolence, Economics. And John, I really, as much as I want to keep you on, I really, really need to wrap this up. But I will stay connected. I will get… You know, I like, uh, stay updated and for all our audiences out there. You heard it here, ETH Denver, um, Opolis, which is really like kind of like really revolutionizing, democratizing employment. And John, is there anything else you would love us to know? Where can we find you? How can we connect with you?
1: You can still come to Eat Denver. There's still time. So EatDenver.com. Go apply. It's free. There's no tickets. I'm not shilling. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. sell you anything. You might want to buy a spork whale plushie at some point, but like that's up to you. Um, come. We. I mean, I can't even do it justice on explaining it because it it can't be described in words. It can only be experienced in person. So you have to come check it out. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. in and if you're an independent worker who um, might be feeling like they're paying too much for health insurance or if you want to professionalize your business or if you're just interested in exploring how to like take the administrative pressures off of you,
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, come to Opolis.co, check it out. Opolis is, right. is a sleeping giant in my opinion. It's, it's big mm-hmm. now, but like, it's mm-hmm. going to be gargantuan in my opinion five years from now when mm-hmm. you know, independent work is the commonplace thing. Right. Yes, Not, yes, yes, I mean, we're going to see a migration back that way pretty dramatically. hundred yeah. percent. And there just isn't infrastructure for these workers to be able to plug in mm-hmm. to be supported mm-hmm. and to have the resources right. they need. And that's the gap that we're filling. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. that's going to become more obvious to people in the next couple of years. But anyways, if you're an early adopter and you like the idea of being in a member owned, you know, uh, public utility infrastructure like that, where you can provide, you know, get the services, save a bunch of money. And uh-huh. support the cause. Come check it out.
0: Mm-hmm. Fantastic! So the future of work and the future of collaboration, which is mm-hmm. like a future. Well, it's of all su- it's actually all
1: it's all synonymous. Actually, I actually uh-huh. you know my passion they say is the future of work, but then I'm like, well, in a lot of ways, Web three as a tool set is just an enabler for that. So
0: mm-hmm. Web
1: three is in a lot of ways synonymous with the future of work in my mind. The future of earning for sure. So it's not even work necessarily, but it's the future of value and the future of earning and how we monetize our networks, our time, our attention. And you know, the traditional concept of a nine to five job is going to slowly but surely kind of not go away entirely, but it's going to start shifting where it's like, I kind of do that as part of my income. And then I add Mm -hmm. these other things. And then Mm -hmm. it's going to go to like, well, you know, do I even really need that full-time job? Not really, because I've got all these other things going on, and I value my time more than I value that, so the opportunity cost is too high now. So now I've got you know eight different sources of income that are cobbling together to make my one sort of commercial experience, and none of it looks like traditional work, and some of it might even be passive. I'm staked in this one network, and I'm doing contract services over here, and I'm contributing to this over here, and it could be a bunch of things. And, you know, work is going to transform a lot in what it means. A lot. Now, again, not that jobs are going to go away entirely, but it's going to transform a lot over the next five years, I suspect. So buckle up. Buckle up, everybody. And
0: we'll see you in the future. Check out East Denver. Check out Opolis. And John, thank you so much for your time. And I'll catch you. My pleasure. I'll catch you in the future.
1: I'll catch you at East Denver. All right. So here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but we can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.